Bien. All right, Jeff, I am back in the building. Yeah, Got a couple of things for us. Yeah. Bought a couple of things, went to the store, make sure we're situated. It's now week three in 1998. We are not going to survive without a couple of things. So I went to the store, went to uh, this little place called, um, I don't know if you know PC Richard and stuff, but got us a couple of things. Um, I'm well, shuffling through, uh, got a couple of these Windows 98 CDs. These just dropped. I'm going to throw <laughs> one of these to you. Pass me that. Thick as hell. You're gonna need a couple of those uh, for us to also survive in here. Once the well, at least until the show is over, we we're gonna, we're gonna need some internet. We're gonna need some internet. Yeah, uh, some, it can't be dial up. Can't be dial up. We have no. Well, I don't think we have many options right now because there's. Uh, and on top of that, I can't even search the options because guess what? There's no fucking Google. We got five G. Five G. You dropped 5G in 1998. People are walking about 5G in 2020. You hey, dropped 5G in 1998. People are gonna think we're wizards. Yeah, the five the 5G talk is a little it's it's a little uh, scary right now, I guess. But uh, we need to bring 5G back to 98. Instead of that, I did grab some other things from PC Ridge and Sun. I got a couple of these. They're not 5G, but they're the next best <laughs> thing, and definitely the thing that people are going wild about in 1998. I got a couple of these AOL CDs. Okay. We got, we got a thousand hours ones, of free the ones internet. They used to send uh, in the mail. Yep, yep. The ones that we used to be in the mail. Magazines. But it's not five thousand hours of free internet. We just what got the one thousand right now. Jesus Christ, we gonna we gonna be on here for twenty minutes. Man. We got a thick fat back computer that we can try and, <laughs> yeah, right. try and survive in. But again, no Google. Um, can't do much with Amazon because they sell books right now. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess, I guess if we don't, if we don't, I guess we don't like that. I mean, we can go. Uh, I think, I think Steve Jobs is, uh, Steve Jobs is about to sell an iMac. At that, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we need to just put some, uh, some stock in on the low, right? If we put stock in now, will we get it back when we go back? Stock in on the low. Haven't what? we discussed butterfly that, effect? That, I was about to say, is that butterfly effect? Haven't we discussed butterfly effect already? We're gonna come back to 2020 with mansions. Uh, uh, out in Palm Beach, mansions out in Atlanta, and have no idea where and they came from. Gonna like, no, we're gonna have no idea who's in them. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, if we can't actually pop up to games, though, like we need to go to a few games. Maybe wear some like we gotta wear, uh, uh, you know, something that nobody would really notice us because we'll be in pictures. They'll put us in new pictures, man. Well, we kind of did risk it already. We went to the WCW show. Uh, no type of mask on our face, no glasses, no anything. Uh, we pretty much wore NWO shirts and we're going crazy in the front <laughs> row. So that was not the best idea to I avoid brain, the butterfly effect. Hopefully we will not be in the, on the WWE network if anybody were to run that episode back. But who knows? I mean, who knows, right? That'd be sick. I ain't going to lie to you. But we're not doing stock in Apple. I don't want to show up in 2020. On, we go back to Atlanta, and I Gloria Velez is in your mansion. <laughs> Gloria? Skipped all the entire lifestyle of everything. Skipped the big pimping video. Damn. Skipped the video of Jay-Z and Uncle Luke. And it's, uh, it's for whichever reason in your mansion. Can't risk that. Because if that happens, then we don't get the historic video of Gloria Velez and Joe. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And I can't, can't, I can't deprive the public of that. I can't. Now we can just take a, a brief, really brief visit back to 2020. Um, we're starting to get a little bit of 
news when it comes to the NBA in general. And right now we have not had any uh, true RSPN for a month. Season three has been put on hold indefinitely mm-hmm. since the news had went down and all the suspensions went down with the virus. But we're getting a little bit of news, and it actually came from a what sounded like an angry LeBron James when <laughs> more bit. rumors started circulating that um, there are some people, when it whether it's coaches, <laughs> whether it's personnel, that – have a good feeling that this season is not going to return. The season is going to be suspended. And LeBron put that down very quickly. Instead, nobody around his area, nobody in his camp, nobody that he knows has he said sure. anything that confirms it. All right. He had to make sure it had nothing to do with him. Exactly. Because his main focus right now is making sure that that season does not get suspended because he still wants to play the playoffs, which is, cons- which is interesting to me because he was one of the first voices that came out and said, Oh, there's no fans <laughs> here. Well, shit, I'm playing. Y'all can yeah. call him his fans back, and now things have got a, a lot more real for LeBron. Yeah, because I think he had to understand. I think at first it was more, you know, why would we play without fans? That, you know, that's one of the main reasons we do this. But I didn't – I mean, I think he knew the situation was important and it was like, you know, a, a real thing. But I think he was just kind of talking. We, we spoke about that. I was like, he kind of spoke out of his ass real quick. Um, and I think he had to like – he was a little selfish. It was a little mm-hmm. something. Calm down, man. You know, at this very moment, the best way to play is with no fans. If you don't want to do that, so be it. But, you know, that's yeah. just what it is. And just not rush into a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. But you also, yeah, you can't complain about not playing if you don't, you know what I'm saying? If you don't want to play with fans, you want to play with fans. Now, Stephen A. has used his sources and said that the, the best possible scenario that can happen is the NBA playoffs starting early July or mid-July and actually going into the end of the summer and um, we get a little bit of information from Adam Silver that stated that he is interested in starting the 2020 to 2021 season mm-hmm. a little bit closer to Christmas, similar like how we did yeah. it um, years ago in, in 2011. Yeah, you mentioned that as well. Um, basically finishing off the season and then just starting the next season late. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for that if that's what they got to do, you know. I have no idea if, we're, if that's going to happen without fans. I know, uh, I know the president has been been interested in having an area where we can start getting who at least fifty percent of well the the current president, not, yeah, not Bill Clinton that we have right now. Hey, hey, shit's going down. Hey, shit's going down. Right now, fucking around. This is not. Uh, we did not pick the best time to jump I'm into. Saying, I'm saying, shout, shout Clinton real quick though. We did not pick out. We did not pick the best time to jump into right now because it's yeah. summer 1998, but. As we started approaching summer 2020, um, we want to start getting into an area of 50% when it comes to our arenas. And I don't know how they pull that off, whether they have people with, uh, within each, uh, every other seat, next two seats, and gradually get closer to full arenas. But I don't see full arenas happening anytime soon. So. No, I don't. I don't. I, like, I, I, in my eyes, this comes back. It's definitely going to be a... Uh you know, a players only personnel only type situation. And I'm sure the restrictions will be tight. I'm sure players will have to get their temperature checked daily or whatever the, how, you know, however that goes, but I'm sure it's going to be, it'll be done the right way. Yeah. Now let's get into episodes five and six of the last dance. You missed episodes one, two, three, or four. Of course you can watch all of those through the ESPN app along with our episodes on the RSPN channel. We covered episodes one and two in the debut episode of RSPN Uncensored. We covered episodes three and four within last week's episode of RSPN Uncensored. And as we started learning some more things, we've also had a little bit more of our complaints when it comes to what we are watching in this documentary, not necessarily material-wise, but 
the way that the material has been presented. And mm -hmm. this past week, we start getting some more information on possibly a reason as to why that is so. This was a documentary that was supposed to be in June, of course, with everything that has happened with the virus. A lot of feed fan back, LeBron fa uh, feedback. Yeah, people wanted it. People really wanted this documentary, so it ends up getting pushed up. But we see a green light on episode nine on Friday, which pretty much indicates that episode nine is just <clears throat> now being finished with episode 10 still being worked on. So it looks like there were some interviews in some areas that were not being uh, finalized to be presented in an April or May type of date. Because this was supposed right. to be in June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it looks like some of the things that we had discussed within last week's episode regarding a lot of the timeline and the different forms of uh, chronological areas that they jump into where it goes yeah. from 1998 and goes back to the 70s things that and like, goes back to the 80s. I think a lot of us you know, just watching. I, I know I didn't care for it. I know we spoke about, like, we understood what they were trying to do, but mm -hmm. um, it was it's also a little, like, chaotic, a little hectic, a lot to keep up with at times. Um, and then giving us a lot of everybody else and small small amounts of, like, Jordan around it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a flaw in it, but, I again, I understood what was going on, but all this coming out definitely put it in perspective a little bit. Yeah, there's really a backstory that comes with everybody in, in the 1998 Chicago Bulls and essentially the entire timeline from 1991 um, all the way to 1998 in their championship era. Um, but again, you and I, I think, would have appreciated a little bit more of a chronological area that yeah, comes with yeah. a lot of this because um, although there are other shows that, that that jump into these type of timelines and go all the way back to 1970 and jump right back into the current time of 1998, uh, these things can be a little bit confusing when you're trying to tell a specific story because, again, a lot of these stories and a lot of these players all fall around the nucleus of Michael Jordan. So as you learn about one, you kind of can't go too deep into uh, not being able to discuss it and not have to discuss Michael Jordan on top of that. So you right. get those 15 minutes of uh, some NBA playoffs in the late 80s and the early 90s and kind of drift away from stories like Dennis Rodman, kind of drift away from certain areas of Scottie Pippen. You get glimpses, but not really too deep mm -hmm. of a detail that you would expect from a 10-part series. Yeah, I would have preferred they, to be honest with you, I just would have preferred they give you, they give us, you know, full episode Rodman, full episode, you know, Pimp it, and then give us the rest Jordan or, you know, whatever it is you're trying to go through because it, it skips a lot. Sometimes you, you feel like the episode's about to be about Jordan and then they kind of sway off to, in this episode, there was a lot of stuff on the kid from Croatia for like 15 fucking minutes, dog. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, all right, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how important is this to the... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the the main purpose, I, I get they're trying to prove how important the dream team was, but they gave us a lot of that. Yeah, we do get a decent amount of Tony Kukoc this week. And again, that is another story that falls within the nucleus of Michael Jordan. But I think finally in episodes five and six, we start seeing some stories that would interest a lot of people learning about Michael Jordan and not necessarily the things that they would have learned as a child through their their history of learning about Michael Jordan and his winning. We started getting some interesting things about that nucleus and how Michael Jordan reacts to it uh, from a public from from public wise or from work wise when he's actually uh, playing in the NBA. But I was happy to see a lot more of uh, how it affected his personal life as far as these other areas. So we're gonna get into those areas of episodes five and six of the Last Dance right now. We'll always love you, baby. I love you.
in the clouds, hope you pass the sun. Hope you right next to God and he calling you son. Taking you in, angels breaking you in. This is heaven and no longer do you have to sing. Alright, after episode three and four last week, we got a little bit of a preview from SVP for episodes five at least. And I'm so glad that ESPN kind of under-delivered on this a little bit because I was expecting this entire episode to show a lot of Kobe Bryant. We did not get a, a specific yeah. timetable of how much was recorded from Kobe for this documentary. But thankfully, in the beginning, we get the clips that unfortunately were spoiled a lot on Twitter. I don't know why people right. decided to, to yeah, show a lot of those. I understand that either. But we end episode... we. We begin episode five with a little bit of Nas and Lauren Hill. Yeah, yeah. Going awesome. up to whoever's doing. Area. I think you mentioned it last week, but whoever's doing, you know, the the soundtrack direction for this shit is killing it. Yeah, I think uh, one of the producers that were on on that music side were very happy to show, in his words, the best period of rap, and it ends up being debatable. But they've done a really good job tying a lot of it to. Um, that era of the 90s and how it felt just listening to that music being in this area of, of just championships after championships with these bulls it ends up being it ends up being very iconic mm-hmm. so we get that flying over an iconic arena of course in madison square garden michael jordan's favorite place to play uh, we're here for the 1998 all-star game which ends up being michael jordan's last all-star game for the moment at least and at least not until the next couple of years when he actually does return. But one of the biggest highlights was one David Stern, apparently really knowing that Michael Jordan was getting the fuck out of here after after the season is over and the youngest to make the all-star game at 19 years of age at the time, which is Kobe Bryant. So you see a little bit of Jordan and Kobe specifically through Jordan in the locker room, getting prepared for this All Star game, and everybody's roast, everybody's roasting him in the locker room. I mean, yeah, what Kobe said was, you know, at that point in time, there weren't young guys his age coming in the league like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's only right they don't know how to act in front of no. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course they're gonna body this nigga early on. You know, I. I, I understood it. It probably made him a better player ultimately. Yeah, as of right now, the, the NBA is is very young when it comes to the rookies that are that are coming in. And it's usually young in general compared to uh the area of the late nineties where a lot of your legends and a lot of those people that played in those early nineties and those late eighties are, are now still in the league and like, like, have look at their position. Like look yeah. who he was playing with, you know. Those niggas were already living legends. Exactly. Take a look at the 1998 um, East and West roster as you start seeing Michael Jordan start stupid, getting those photographs together, getting his mindset that this is going to be the last time. And as we get a little bit of that piece of the All-Star game, we're still hovering around that area of is this going to be Michael's last time now now jordan was celebrated at the end of that all-star game we go a little bit forward a month later to march 8th of 1998 where jordan has his final game as a chicago bull and again he's in his most favorite arena in mass square garden so he pulls out an old pair of jordan ones he was like compared to those today these are you know what i'm saying like you know making a little joke about the comfort of the shoe and he even mm-hmm. mentions it later while he's playing the game uh, you know, that he was like, my feet are bleeding, but I love Madison Square, so I'm going hard. I was like, God damn. He went extreme. Yeah, when, <laughs> once, I started re- once I started realizing that his his entire shoe, his, his foot 
his shoe was full of blood. I was yeah. like, all right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, damn, nigga. To bust the Knicks ass trash. so bad that you want your feet to start screaming and leaking is right. an, is a, you know, it's a dedication that I really do appreciate. Really, but nah, 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 nah. Take me out the game, bro. It start happening to me. I'm, I'm going to sit down. But I guess that's why I'm not a pro. Now, when he brings up the ones, we get our first flashback all the way back to 1984. Because, like you said, Jordan's comment. The technology of the ones compared to what they were uh, currently in 1998 is something that um, is very remarkable. So we mm-hmm. get a good story of what is going on as Michael Jordan is still rookie and is trying to negotiate a I deal love this part, bro. with Nike. And at the part. time, Nike had said that they were a lot more tailored to the sports that were dedicated to singular players and mm-hmm. they kept bringing up the fact that they were very talented with golf stars and yeah. they wanted to make michael <laughs> jordan in that similar area the difficulty with that is how do you turn a member of a sport that has uh, it's all team centric how do you separate yeah. michael jordan to be somebody who is soul in promotions shoe deals and things like that that they present to other stars so Jordan had a little bit of an interest in Adidas. He liked I, everything that had been done with Adidas. This was really cool. Like I thought this was really great insight because, again, this is just stuff I didn't know. Um, they also talked about what his deal ended up being when he made his decision, which was cool. And then they kind of showed the comparison of what guys were, were usually getting um, mm-hmm. and what he got. Um, I just think it was, it was nice to kind of see what Nike was looking, was trying to do with individual athletes um and jordan they just hit the jackpot you know what i'm saying like uh he just he happened to be the one um and it took the it, it's dope to just see how far he took the brand i mean we were we were there but we were kids you know we were just yeah. acting for the shoes we didn't know the business side of it even from a culture standpoint i mean yeah i saw that all my homies wanted jordans for you know christmas and birthdays and shit like that but i wasn't thinking about like culture or impact i'm just thinking these shits is tight and they're expensive and they're you know i want them i love that they try to keep it safe at the time and said you know what we'll, we'll make it we'll make a decent amount of bread on them we'll be okay <laughs> i don't know if you're beating converts what, what, what the number they wanted to they wanted to sell eight million or a million it damn near sounded like they wanted to break even with the shit. It was like, yeah, ah, yeah. You and know I what? Look at, they, look at a couple. Look at a little bit it off. Was like 10, it. it was like ten times the amount that they, you know, considered that they were going to make. I mean, that's that's crazy to me. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's important to say, you know, Converse was the official sneaker for NBA at that time. So yeah. it made sense that Jordan was a little weary about the Nike situation. You know. Exactly. So a a lot of people were very surprised with the impact that it had, the sales that it had. And like Spike Lee had said, he wanted to make sure uh, uh, in his best areas of work when it came to she's got to have it at the time, when it came to do the right thing. um, These shoes, these Jordans are front and center because um, Michael, in his words, is the interim of the youth today. And essentially, if we were teenagers in the 1980s, we would all be loving it the way that many do as of right now again the 80s when it comes to those shoes and of course those limited amounts of shoes because you're only doing from the ones through the with the fives or the sixes uh that is mainly what they had and that was one of the most popular things one of the most difficult things probably to get at that time especially one of the most difficult things to keep safe as we start getting into that uh area of um 
the early 90s and the shoes and you start getting some of those controversial pieces that come with that as well but as that starts getting into the popularity of feeding michael jordan as well we get another knicks clip <clears throat> yeah now we favorite. gotta go back from 1984 all the way back to 1998 keep up, keep up guys try to keep up Jordan starts saying his feet is bleeding. Ewing back in the locker room. I don't know if he played that game because he has a suit on. <laughs> uh, but Jordan, again, very happy to bust the Knicks' ass. Right. And Ewing says, oh, don't, no, don't start that shit again. Because Ewing has been getting a very good thrashing from Jordan and the Bulls for the past mm-hmm. couple of years. But we'll get back into that area with the New York Knicks a little bit later. Unfortunately, we go back from 1998 all the way back to 1991 to start the back-to-back season of the Chicago Bulls. So we leave last week. They beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Magic, more than happy to lose to Michael Jordan because right. if you had to lose to anybody, you lose to Mike. And now we have to start doing a back-to-back season, which Stern um, had said at the time before – well at the time that they win the NBA championship, that it's 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 damn near something that's impossible to try yeah. and get back-to-back. Not a lot of teams have done it in these eras of NBA champions. So we get some video of what had went on with 1991. Mike Wilbon even said, you know what? As much as we discuss the best teams, especially with the Chicago Bulls, and we bring up 1998, we bring up 1996, 1992 is a dark horse when it comes to the best NBA champion Bulls. And you see them destroy a whole lot of their competition and they end up going into the 1992 NBA finals where Magic Johnson is not playing anymore. He's already done his announcement of HIV and he's now working NBC sports. The biggest highlight for Magic was he knew for a fact, according to last night, that Michael was about to work the fuck out of Clyde Drexler. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that, was, that was the only thing that you knew for sure. And as I start watching this, I start looking back and I'm just like, wow, I have to really give it up <laughs> to 2K11. We, we've discussed 2K before, but sure, yeah, 2K11 is just so important as a video game. If this is one of the first times that you're actually watching this, I'm, I'm sure people our age have, have, are, are, have already seen these clips and seen all of this and know all this information, at least a good 90% of it, but there's some youths, there's some children that are watching this for the first time and did not experience the amount of waiting that we had to do to be able to enjoy this type of Michael Jordan on that certain Man, spectrum. They, they, and you go back into those challenges. They'll never run. Yeah, you yeah, you go back into those challenges, and it's just it's just amazing to be able to see the type of work that they did on those timetables. This ends up being one of the games that are on that Jordan challenge. And Magic Johnson was more than ready to tell the story of, you know what? Michael didn't really like the fact that the media was going very deep into comparing Clyde Drexler to Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan said specifically, there's no disrespect to Clyde, but... He felt like he was he was the yet. best at the time. Yeah, he, he felt like he said their game wasn't even close, and that's why he went so hard on. So game one, he hits the six threes. He does the shrug. He said that he's looking at Magic at the time. I thought it was Cap, but I was like, you know what? I think Yo, I'm buying now. Real quick, real quick. The funny thing about that was they were wilding over five first half threes <laughs> yo yo real quick like i was like as soon as i i was watching that part i was like man i can't wait to tell the mark about this because it's just crazy how far the game has involved like yeah you know, that yeah that is, that is early spazzing, 90s basketball was spazzing for the damn united center five. was about to implode <laughs> because because of five three pointers in, in one half you heard Marv Albert Jordan for three. Yes. <laughs> he, he can't believe 
six threes probably by we get six threes probably by second quarter now. Yeah, bro. It's like yo, people are losing easily, easily. I mean, so now Clay Clay be busting him in two minutes, man. Exactly. So now we get through the 1992 NBA Finals. They didn't really show too much of the Trailblazer side. Um, I would have enjoyed a little bit of that, but I guess they had to to, to make well on time because we right. slide all the way through the 1992 NBA Finals. We now have back to back NBA champions, and the most important thing for Michael Jordan right now is he is about to serve his country in the Olympics mm-hmm. and uh, be part of one of the biggest. If not the biggest basketball team at that time. So before we celebrate what comes with the dream team, it is cigar time for Michael Jordan. We get a little bit of we get a little bit of gumball. We get a little bit of gumball Mike in that point in time. But one of the biggest stories that come out of that dream team before even practice actually starts starting is some controversy that came with Isaiah Thomas. And I know you were very excited to discuss. Yeah, man. This is awesome, bro. Uh I, I I like to see I like Jordan, I like to see Jordan be as honest as possible. Mm-hmm. And this and this doc kind of sets him up to basically say whatever he wants to say. Um, and, you know, they talked about basically Jordan has said, hey, you know, who's playing on this team? And I don't remember who he was talking to, but he was like, the guy you're thinking about isn't playing on this team. He's like, okay, cool, I'm in. <laughs> exactly. Like, and I don't know if, that, if that's the way it went or if, hey, or if he said, if, if he just bursted down the locker room with a team right. of veterans that are a lot more older than him and said, man, if any nigga want Isaiah <laughs> on this fucking team, talk right fucking now. Well, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you know. Bird's going to look to the wall. Magic is going to look down. Barkley's going to scratch his head. Mm-hmm. Who going to say no, though? You know, who's saying, I don't, who's I don't no think too many people had an issue with that because, again, yeah. Celtics have an issue with the Detroit Pistons and Isaiah Thomas. Magic. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest favorable, not really favorable of Isaiah Thomas and the Detroit Pistons. Yep. He had a lot of, he had a lot of, we had some issues with a little bit. Of started a lot of shit and we're very yeah. happy with starting a lot of shit. So unfortunately for Isaiah, he gets blackballed out of the dream team. Uh, Isaiah is just sitting down like, you know, what? I just, I just made all the, I, I, I did everything that, you know, <laughs> that, that, that qualifies. I Yo, thought I, I thought I made it. He, you know, one thing I don't like about the way that Isaiah was kind of, he just, he just sounds like he's so innocent. You know, what yeah, I'm saying? like he did, like he didn't understand. Like I thought I did it. I thought you know. I mean, back in if, if we ran it back, maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe I wouldn't have done it. Maybe I would have. You know, shook their hand, but you know, because I mean, of how just, things played out in the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just it just didn't happen. I, 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 I don't know. I, I just I I'm I'm shocked. I'm baffled. And Michael's just like, bro, if you want to put this shit on me, please put this shit on me. I don't really care. He's like, I don't really care mad people i had issues with you so yeah, yeah. they get through all that the practices are very competitive magic and jordan are going at it cursing each other out barkley's going into it and mm-hmm. barkley's still very big fan of michael jordan because again although barkley has his own ego and thinks he's the best basketball player in the world he is starting to acknowledge a whole lot of what michael jordan is doing right now but we yeah, don't yeah. actually see that clash heads for another year right so we go through the dream team, zero timeouts. They're bodying everybody. Jordan is now the young guy with the elder statesman. Mm-hmm. And we start getting closer to the United States versus Croatia. And as we get to Croatia, we get our first look at Tony Kukoc, who, according to Michael Jordan, was a huge favorite of Jerry Krause. And 
it states that he was drafted in the 1990 NBA draft, but Kuko states that due to a um, Yugoslavian civil war, which was, of course, around in the area of his country, um, it was very difficult to leave Europe and try and go to America and play for the Chicago Bulls at the time where all this different type of fighting is going on. So he stayed in Europe, made a decent amount of money, a lot more money than some yeah, he was like, "Hey, this ain't this ain't no this ain't no little boy bang, this ain't, this ain't boy bang." No. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely corrected uh, whoever was talking to him, and that. like whoever interviewed him probably asked him about the money. He was like, "Listen, it was some real ass money." Yeah, I this ain't no ten k. Yeah, this ain't no ten k. I pull out bands right now from I pull out bands right now from that league. So right. he stays, but Jordan and Pippen are very well aware. Kraus is talking about this man every single day. He can't wait. This is supposed to be the next person in line when Jordan and Pippen are done. And Michael just gets the most confused look on his face as crowd starts saying that Tony will be the future of the Chicago Bulls. So as we get to U- the U.S. versus Croatia, everybody is. Laying it in poor on guy, Poor kid, man. Poor kid, bro. I and mean, he's like, no, damn, we, we, we never met. What's, what's yeah, the issue? He was like, I don't even know them. Yeah, I, I don't even know y'all. What's the, what, what's the issue? Pippen's like, you'll never work for this fucking NBA again. Don't even leave. Don't yo, even Pippen, come back. Pippen shit was green as fuck. Jordan, he giggled, and then he was like, nah, I think that's a little crazy to say. But like, <laughs> <laughs> Pippen was like, hey, nah, he ain't going to make it two games. I was like, God damn. Yeah, if Jordan's laughing and telling you, ah, come on, that's harsh. You used to start being harsh. a little, you, yeah, you start running some things yeah, back. Then it's harsh. If he say it, then it's harsh. So they get their gold medals. We get a little bit of a glimpse on the Reebok Olympic uniform controversy. And although it's big uh, and Jordan finds his own way to censor Reebok, essentially, puts yeah. the American flag over his shoulder, accepts the gold medals because if they did not show it Reebok had an issue with them going up to accept the gold medals at all but again I I, I think Reebok had all it's it's way too late for them to try and make this statement because the Olympics already make a huge name for all of these players that were in the dream team but especially for what the NBA will be for the remainder of the 90s as they all come back home to the United States they're all heroes all have gold medals and now, as we start getting into the end of the summer of 1992, you get the infamous, the icon well, not necessarily infamous. I would say the iconic Gatorade Be Like Mike commercial. Man. And that starts showing, I mean, I'm sure the jingle jumps into your head whenever you hear it. You've probably seen the commercial numerous times. You've sang it as a child. Good times. Um, it is something that is embedded into you, especially for kids like us. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's something we've seen a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I had, I, I mentioned it before, you know, I had Bulls apparel that my father gave me just off the rip. Didn't matter, you know, who you were a fan of, who your family was rooting for, from the team perspective, Jordan is Jordan, you know? Yeah, so Gatorade makes huge, a huge name off of that. But as that happens, the sound of the documentary starts getting a little bit darker. <laughs> Things start sound the the, ter- the tone of people's voices start getting a little bit more mm-hmm. deeper, and you get President Barack Obama on the screen, and he had a little bit of a good conversation on the difficulty of how hard it is to find voice as a black man, and yeah. not necessarily a black man as well. He also brought up Oprah Winfrey, so those types of statuses that they have 
as as they build their brand and, and start building themselves, when it's whether it's Obama, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's Oprah Winfrey, it is very difficult to find voice because there are different areas that are expected of you uh, outside of our community and inside of our community as well. So as those sto- as those clouds start brewing, I'm like, oh God, here we go, here we go. This is about to be what we are waiting on. I heard Oprah. It's like, all right, dude. yeah, I yeah. Once I heard, I'm like, all right, I know what's coming. Chameleon Air starts sitting up in his seat. <laughs> he knows what's coming. So, Chameleon Air, tell us, tell us what happened. If uh, if if right after Obama, if they would have just showed Chameleon Air, just like, like, oh. just, just, I, all, all the only other is just him, him sitting back in Texas, just just letting out a sigh. And yeah. now, as much as we are celebrating Michael Jordan, we start getting into the dark areas and. They begin it with a Senate race in the 90s with North Carolina's Harvey Gantt. He was apparently working to be one of the first, if not the first, uh, um, black male to be as a part of the U.S. Senate. And Jordan's mom at the time wanted him to you know, speak up some more and lend a voice, lend an eye over to his campaign so that he can win. And Jordan was like, uh, I don't know this nigga. Uh, do I? Do I really need to? Do I really need to drop this? Do I really need to drop this? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll send some money over. I'll help right, him with his. I'll head him with his campaign. But I don't want. I don't want my voice to that. I'm good. And that left a little bit of souring when it came to him supporting his own. And they brought up the quote many times that we have seen on Twitter. You've read it many times, and it's usually a quote that is not very. Um, backed up with sources so this was my first time hearing the actual source of it stating that although harvey gantt was a democrat jordan says republicans buy his sneakers too and obama was a little bit disappointed because he is now preparing in that in that area of 1992 1993 to start getting into uh that politics in that area so to be able to have a voice toward that was something that he would have you know, uh, uh, enjoyed. It's not necessarily needed for Michael Jordan, but right. it didn't happen. He was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, so he would have respected it. We get the first glimpse of Michael Jordan uh, being criticized and uh, um, being in that type of limelight where he is expected to support his own. A similar c- scenario that happened with OJ Simpson in many difficult times as we uh, watched the 30 for 30 of OJ Simpson as well, an area that he struggled with probably even more than Michael Jordan did. And um, it's something that I, I didn't necessarily see as a parallel. I was hoping that they would have made the parallel with that because I think they, that was an interesting road to go into. Yeah, I mean, we could have gotten more. Unfortunately, for the documentary, as that starts heating up, we go all the way back to 1998 and we get a little, a beautiful use of Rosa Parks. And God, I love looking at the Georgia Dome every time I see the Georgia Dome. Ah, it's gone, man. And now we get a game of the Bulls and the Hawks. They start going into detail of how difficult it is to try and get a ticket as the season is getting closer to ending because the NBA playoffs is very, very soon. We are in Atlanta for the Georgia. uh, We are in at the Georgia Dome for the Bulls and the Hawks. Bulls Mm -hmm. end up winning, of course, but we started seeing many, many different celebrities start filling out these arenas. One in particular being Jerry Seinfeld that had a funny quote that said, I'm trying to make quitting the move of the 90s and let the new people in. At this point in time, Seinfeld is the biggest thing on television. He is having his final episode. He is walking away. He does not want to do any more episodes of Seinfeld. He's walking out on top as Michael Jordan is preparing 
to do. But how difficult will that road be? And how much of this will start weighing on Jordan as the questions do not stop? And all of this starts to start getting into an area of his head as we get closer to the 1998 NBA playoffs. We find that out in episode six. So now the moment that everybody has been waiting for shows in episode six. We are two weeks away from the 1998 NBA playoffs and the pressure of being Michael Jordan is starting to show its face. Mm -hmm. And very early, they start showing what we wanted to see from episode one, which is the gambling time. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's like it's so weird of us to just be demanding this shit, but uh I know you and I, you know, we've had our jokes since we started this show. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, this was glorious. Yeah, it's it's a part of the story that ends up being a joke. And we talk about the gumball eyes and the whiskey <laughs> and the and the damn uh, eight ball that's playing. They're playing pool and shit like that. And, and, and all the different areas that get made fun of with Michael Jordan. But we don't really get to see too much of the origin. And at yeah, least we yeah. didn't at the time that we were. Um, of that age in the 90s. So as they get their 60th win against the Orlando Magic, um, they're drinking a little bit of beer over their usual Gatorade at the time. You know uh, and the media with two weeks left until the playoffs still doesn't fucking get it. And they're still asking, are you returning next season? I I, I wish Jordan had a little bit of Durant in him and just you throw Westbrook so? in him and just start ignoring questions. Yeah, for real. Because I feel like at that point, at, at, at this point, he's just laughing. Bruh. He, he, imagine everybody's it's the question that he probably got the absolute most, and he has this, and he has the same type of he has the same type of um, response, laughter. It's a canned response, and it doesn't really change. So yeah. as that happens, we pivot all the way back to 1992. I was a little bit confused because I thought we were going to start getting into some NBA playoffs. Uh, we pivot back to 1992. Now it's three peat time. They just won the second championship. They're going to be getting ready for a three peat. And reports start coming out with some controversy that goes a little bit towards getting away from that McDonald's smile, that big McDonald's smile, the Gatorade ads. And now we start getting some controversy that comes from Michael Jordan. The writer Sam Smith puts out the book, The Jordan mm. Rules. Yeah. That highlights some of Michael's tyrant side, the area that is yelling <clears throat> at his teammates, slapping Steve Kerr in the fucking mouth. Um, How do you feel about it because I feel like there's just certain things that like should stay underground. You know, and I think that was I think that like things was things that happen at practice. You know, things that happen at you know player only meetings or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. or even on court, right? Like how he is with other players. It's like. I just feel like some things are, or some things are better left underground, man. I won't even lie; that just reminded me uh, of a certain time uh, a couple of years ago. Not to make not uh, I, this is not purposeful to make this heat related, but um, the, at oh. the time that at the time I, I swear to God, it's not purposeful <laughs> to make this heat related. <laughs> okay, but ahead, there was a time there was a time that the Bulls ended up sweeping the heat in the regular season and it was okay, a bad yeah, yeah, yeah. we can talk about it was it. a bad loss oh no no so now so now you want to talk thought, about yeah, it I thought this was it was a glory it like, was a <laughs> it was a bad loss to the american airlines arena and eric Spolster came out a little bit afterward because people looked pissed and when i say people i mean the players of the miami heat and eric Spolster said you know what yeah it's, it's a bad loss we just got guys crying in the locker room right now i'm like what the fuck are you telling people that shit for <laughs> If Chris Bosh is fucking crying in the locker room right now, just no, keep, just, just, just right, keep it right, on low. You know, no, no, I'm, I'm saying, though, like, yo, losing and winning, both 
crazy like both those things come with crazy emotions mm-hmm. period you know whether you're you can be crying for either or and i just feel like because of all the energy behind there if there's anything that isn't normal on the subject that people would talk about like you and i don't come on this show and talk about players that cried after winning right it's yeah. just I, I feel like some of that shit's so personal you know what i'm saying so it's like everything doesn't need to be spoken about and I guess at the time, the, the the reason that Sam Smith even even tried to put out a book like this at the point mm-hmm. in time was again, you're, you're looking at the perspective of a writer that wants to put out an interesting story about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Everybody yeah, has yeah. the opportunity to write the positives of, oh, he's amazing, he's done all this in X amount of time, they're back to back champions. But right. what type of story will really highlight something? good to talk about when it comes to Michael Jordan. Not necessarily good in the sense of painting him as as this messiah, but mm-hmm. good as in sparking conversation. Because again, yeah. you're looking at this from the perspective of a writer. I don't think Sam Smith really took that into perspective of stating, oh, this is going to set off the locker room. This is going to yeah. create distrust between players. Right. So now Krause is fucking pissed. He's looking at who's responsible for these quotes. He's looking at Phil like, you yeah, say this Krause, shit? Yeah, Krause and Phil's like, I didn't do nothing. He's trying to get some light fire, of course. Yeah, he looked directly at Phil, and I'm sure there are players on the Bulls that thought so-and-so are doing people. The Horace Grant was the leak because he had a little <laughs> bit of a relationship with Sam Smith, and his small-ass head was like, ah, it wasn't me. Don't look at me. Right, right. You said so, his small-ass head? I still, still can't get over it. I still can't get over <laughs> even, even with the shades, I, I, I don't get it. Hey, man. It didn't really look. It didn't really look that bad in the night. It didn't look that bad in the nineties. When he was on the I, Magic, I when he was on the Bulls, I feel you, bro. So now there's a little bit of a whirlwind around that Jordan is really not the happiest because again he's he's, he's being painted as this this this, this leader, mm-hmm. uh, a very controlling, demanding leader. And you flip the Jordan rules, the actual term of Jordan rules, on itself, and state that he's the one that rules a whole lot of what goes on right now. So as that happens. We get some even more Knicks clips. Mm, more Knicks clips. Your, fav- your favorite part of the documentary, I feel like. This might have been, this might have been a Knicks documentary. Every time, every time something about the Knicks pops up on here, it's, it's reckless. And I know it's, I had a, it's a, it's a good laugh from you. Yeah, I had a good amount of laughter when they said uh, they wanted to run the Bulls like the I, Bulls I, I finally know, got the Pistons. I know, I know, I know you do. It's so funny you say that because as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this nigga Marcus is having a fucking field day with that. And I and I apologize to Pat Riley. Pat Riley tried to serve Jordan rules to um to Michael Jordan in that point in time, but unfortunately Anthony Mason and Patrick Ewing can't get that job done. Mm. Nobody heard a damn word of that because he's flying uh, all over the place and dunking on everybody. God mm. bless the dead. This is not a disrespect to Anthony Mason, by the way. Mm. Um why are you saying mm, like why are you saying mm, like it was? I'm gonna let Nick fans decide. I don't wanna, you know, I don't know how Nick fans are gonna feel about what you just said. It's a it, it happened. It happened. You're right. I, I mean, bro, I'm not I'm not here to say if it's right or wrong. This isn't a it's not it's not it's not like it's I mean it is slander, but it had but it's not incorrect slander. I'm here it, bro, ha- it happened. I'm here with you, man. I support you. So as a do you? <laughs> I mean, do hey you? man. If I start seeing those bleacher report Harlem World jerseys. <laughs> Are stomping down the street right. and their their steps are getting a little bit faster toward me. I'm gonna need hey, some money to trip a couple of them. Right. So the 1993 Eastern Conference Finals between the Bulls and the Knicks begin. The Bulls are a series away from going back to the NBA Finals and ending up playing the Phoenix Suns. 
Phil Jackson sounded pretty disgusted because as he is a two-time Knicks champion, he was like, oh, we're just getting served by the Knicks. And, <laughs> and, and, at, and at that point in time, two games hey, passed. Hey, man. He didn't sound disgusted. He run, sound run, dis- run, 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 run. Like, oh, the, the Knicks? He did sound disgusted, bro. So I think game two passes, and Michael Jordan's dad, despite this being a, a fairly challenging series, mm. his dad – James Jordan is just like, you know what? Let's just, you know, take our minds off a little bit. Let's go ahead to the casino real quick. Let's go. To the, let's, let's, let's get away from New York City. A lot of this is very taxing. Let's go ahead to like Atlanta Good City. choice or bad choice? Um, Or awful. Awful choice is an option as well. I'm trying to I'm trying to think what the blowback would be if if LeBron James is down <laughs> against the Golden State Warriors and hey. they find out mm, he slid to some casino in L.A. It's going to get bad, bro. You know this. And he responded to these reports and was like, oh, come on, guys. Like, I got back home at 1230. What's the, what's the issue? Mm, come on, guys. Nice. Yeah, you already know that shit ain't going to fly. So they asked David Aldous, was this a big deal? And he puts it in the perspective of, well, look, although that was bad at the time in 1993, <laughs> uh, in their first championship in 1991 when they beat the Lakers, Again, this is an area in the NBA where you still go to the White House and have the ability to uh, uh, enjoy meeting the president and things like that. He missed the White House visit to gamble with a guy named Slim Buller. And they go into a little bit of the details of Slim Buller and how Mm -hmm. he was not the most reputable person. Uh, We get a book called Michael and Me, Our Gambling Addiction that states that Jordan even goes up to owing $1.2 million on golf gambles. Uh, you start getting an area where the NBA starts pressing Jordan on these questions and it starts getting a little bit wild. So yeah. the the fire that was eventually just him ruling his team is now getting deep into does he have a gambling problem? You get the quote from Michael Jordan in the States uh, um, in, in one of the states, I do not have a gambling problem. I can stop gambling tomorrow, but I do have a competitive problem. And that competitiveness that people have discussed many point in times, Magic did it, Bill Wennington did it. Um, this was something that he took very seriously, whether it's on thousand dollar bets, whether it's on one dollar bets, he wants to be able to, in Magic's words, to not only be able to beat you, but stomp on your neck and just squish the fuck out of it. <laughs> that 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 was Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it didn't matter at that point. You know, he's he's a killer, bro. But all of this starts brewing up a, ho- a whole lot more. And again, you hear some more from Magic Johnson. And he states, as this starts getting louder and you start seeing James Jordan jump in on Michael's behalf and start speaking, saying that he's not having a gambling problem. Magic specifically says you're going to drive him out of this game with all of this talk. Despite him almost being ready to play for a third NBA champion- uh, championship and get a three-peat, a lot of this is starting to get enough words where he is going to walk out of this game, right? Yeah. So although it's a hard fall, Eastern Conference Finals, the Bulls prevail in one of the most impressive defensive sequences in Game 5. They slap the fuck out. I don't know if it was Ewing. I couldn't take a a look at that time. All I just saw was eight Bulls slapping the fuck out of a Nick. (laughs) And that's all at least At least 20 different times. So I was was giddy in my seat. And um, the Knicks have just – I feel like – never mind. Let, let's talk about the Knicks more when uns, when uncensored ends and we're back because I just feel like every episode they have gotten it just a little bit. If you can see the smile right now, I know we are know. we are censoring the Knicks combo because it's, it's that crazy. bad. But we have to go back to 1998 for a few rounds of golf. But then we go 
fucking back to 1993 for the I NBA know. Finals. I don't get no. I, I told you, bro. Like, I'm I don't really understand. I mean, I understand. Like I said, I know the the information came out and and the the things that kind of happened with the, with the documentary. But dog, like, come it's, on, it's it's really confusing. To say it's first, really confusing. Yeah, it's confusing. As we start getting to the 1993 NBA Finals between the Bulls and the Suns, Jordan takes Ahmad Rashad to the side for an interview. Uh, he's been pretty silent for the past few weeks. A lot of this gambling talk is getting crazy, and he wants to be able to talk to somebody and put a lot of these rumors to rest. And we've seen the Michael Jordan turned up meme with him in the mm-hmm. shades. Mm-hmm. Now we actually finally get that interview of him just going in with Omar Rashad and saying that he is he does not have an issue, <laughs> so on and so forth. Everything was okay. And Omar Rashad is just like, you know, it was a, it was a cool interview, but the shades? Why shades? Why can, shades? You just, can you can you just take them off? He, he should have hit him with that Wayne. He should have hit him with that Wayne. Like, don't worry about what my eyes look like right now. Man. <laughs> you, think, you, think, you, think, you think that if Omar Rashad would have stopped the interview and said, nigga, take the fucking shades off. Like, and Jordan just freezes up. Don't worry like, about what color my eyes are right now, man. Yeah, come on, nigga. We, 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 we about to go ahead and play right now. Yeah, nigga, I'm fucked up, nigga. Keep the interview going. So as we start getting some Bulls and some Suns conversation, a lot of it fo- focuses on the highlights of Charles Barkley. I started booing at my screen when I saw Danny Ainge, but very happy to see what it came from from Charles uh, Barkley because he worked really hard and, and even had a specific quote that said God told him that he's going to win the NBA Finals. Unfortunately, Michael Jordan ruled over that. Um, and we got some conversation from Jordan that stated, you know, I went up against Dan Marley and I knew that Jerry Krause loved Dan Marley. And because of that, I whooped his ass. Yeah. So <laughs> you get you get you get, so you get the first few games, you get the triple overtime game where Charles Barkley did not want to lose at all. Um Barkley started getting a little bit worried after those first two games and said, This is the first time in my life that I felt that there was a better basketball player than me, because now he's stressed out. But they win in triple overtime in game three. Game five sounded fucking insane in the United Center because now the Phoenix Suns are down 3-1, but they end up winning game five. He was upset because Chicago was already celebrating at that point in time because keep in mind, this is an area in the NBA where we are still in that 2-3-2 area. So games 3-4 and 5 for Chicago end up being in their house while 6-7 and would end up going back to Phoenix because Phoenix has a better record. So Barkley says, take that shit off the windows. You know, I celebrate right now, but you have... A huge shot once again from John Paxson in game six, huge three, the first score by a bull that wasn't by Michael Jordan in that fourth quarter in game six that wins the Chicago Bulls, their third NBA championship. They pull off the three-peat. Everybody is happy. I'm sure everybody is exhausted. But as Michael Jordan celebrates that in the back and you get the infamous photo of him holding up the threes and he has his hat on and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Jordan is really starting to become a lot more cognizant of those voices. And it's like he almost regrets being a role model. And I, I feel like that's exactly everything. Like, I feel like even to this day, he's like, damn, this shit was a lot of work. Yeah, it's 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 hard. You have to you have to do. And he didn't really complain about how much he had to do as an athlete as far as 
visits for kids, uh, being certain role models of certain people, but it really stripped him of his ability to be human in different areas. And whether or not you want to define human as being able to do some things that are a little bit less than exemplary, a little bit less than perfect, you can go ahead and do so. But that was Michael Jordan in, in, in certain areas. According to him, he did not know the, the characteristics of a lot of people that he dealt with until after the fact. I'm not sure if that deserves a half a cap or not. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is starting to get to Michael. And I don't know if in episode seven and eight, we start seeing that being more of the reason to do some other shit. But as we start getting into that area, if you know what, I just, I, I just, it almost feels like I regret being a role model. We go all the way back to 1998. I'm like, oh, come on. Right. We're about to get the good quote. And now we're very close to the NBA playoffs. Jordan specifically says, I don't think I'm going to miss it. And the Chicago Bulls have the New Jersey Nets in the first round of the 1998 NBA playoffs. But that will be saved for episode seven and eight. So all in all, how do you feel? How'd you feel about this week? Um, you know, I again, we've discussed these the orders and the jumping from decades to, <laughs> you know, like we discussed it. Uh, and I, I do think that it's something that I wish was done better. I don't, I don't think it's going to get fixed because I'm sure the the show was kind of paced how it's going to be paced at this point in time. Um, but so, I mean, for the most part, I, I enjoyed the episodes. Uh, and I feel like they even they give us a taste of like like for example the gambling stuff. But dog, like honestly, we got like I said, we got more of the the, the damn kid from Croatia than the gambling stuff. Yeah, I I do think that there's an area that I I would love for them to dive in more when it comes to being a role model and having the voices in his head. There there is something there, and I don't know if they dive into a lot more mm-hmm. of that as we get those final episodes, and maybe nine and ten that they are, are just finishing right now is is something that they start diving into. But that is that. I would feel like I would walk away from this documentary and knowing that I learned a bigger amount than I had expected. I've already learned a decent amount from these first uh, six episodes, but if we get more of that, I think this will be something that is is, is highlighted amazingly. Yeah, like like yeah. just like the OJ doc was. I agree. I agree. But with that said, we'll be back next week for episode seven and eight of the Last Dance. Of course, again, you can watch all this on the ESPN app, and you can follow on with us on the RSPN channel. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review when it comes to this channel, and especially with all of our playlists and podcasts on the RNC Radio Network. We truly appreciate everybody that has been fucking with the content, has been fucking with us in general, and continue to do so as we go through during uh, this time of this uh, virus, at least for those that are in 2020. I, myself, am about to go see Armageddon. I don't know if you want to go join. What? That's what go see Armageddon. I can't, I, can't go see, I can't go see that type of movie knowing what the hell is going on. Oh, that's true. Oh, oh, you don't want to see it in twenty? I was about to say. I, I thought I thought you were gonna say you can't see that with me. I thought you were gonna go see that with uh, with somebody else. Oh, who? who uh, I mean, that's possible too. You know, uh, after, after such a after such a, 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 a intense film, I gotta be. I'm sure. I'm sure Ginger Spice is free right now. Ginger Spice. You don't fuck with Ginger Spice. Come on, man. Come on, man. What's wrong with Ginger Spice? I mean, nothing, man, but my tastes. My tastes might be different at this point. Ah, your tastes. Well, um, Gabrielle Union might be free. All right. And I feel like, what, is, is this, is, are you going to switch that over to? 
Oh shit! No, don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! Oh shit! I forgot! Oh my god! Yeah. Butterfly effect! Yeah. Butterfly effect! Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah! All right, all right, all right! No more, no more ideas! No more ideas! <laughs> yeah, no more ideas! <laughs>